Well, good morning, Hillcrest. Good to see you. Good to be together today. Thanks so much for joining us online. If uh, you're joining us through um, Zoom or I don't even, whatever, however you're here with us, uh, thanks for being here and for being here in person. It's great to have you here. I, I do have to say thank you to the search team. They've done a wonderful job of helping this process move forward. They have really done a great job. Yeah, you can give them a hand. They've, uh, they've shared your story well uh, with me and with our family, and so we're just really happy to be here with you today. I want to introduce you to my family. If you guys would just stand real quick, um, just say hi to my family here. Everybody give them a hand. Or, yeah, there you go. This is Angela, my wife. We've been married for about five years now, and uh, she's doing marriage and family therapy uh, in Colorado, and we're working on ways to let that continue, hopefully if we're able to join you out here in Kansas City. Uh, Brenna just turned 21 this last week, which is terrifying for me, scary, <laughs> but uh, she's down at Grand Canyon University as a junior and uh, really enjoying that. Uh, Haven is our freshman in, in high school and uh, still stuck at home with us. Sorry about that, hon, but she's doing a, a great job. And uh, August graduated last year from Denver School of the Arts and is an artist and looking for ways to use that gift in the world um, around us. So it's really good to be with you together today. And uh, I want to just ask, uh, say a word of prayer before we keep, get going into uh, God's word. And so if you just bow your heads with me and let's talk to God together. Father God, we're so thankful that we can be here today. We're so thankful for those that are, are watching online right now, those that join us later this week, Father, that you are at work in each one of our lives. And we're so thankful for your love and your grace that Nate talked about as we began this time together, that you pursue us, Father. What a gift. And we are thankful that we can open up scripture together right now, that we can read the stories of, of, the, of the Bible and, and allow them to speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to challenge us right now, to encourage us, to redirect us, to help us to see what you have for us today. Father God, might your words speak right into our hearts. We open them up to you and invite you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I want to start this morning with a question. Uh, what will you fight for? When you think about the things that you value in your life, the relationships that matter to you, the convictions of your heart. What will you fight for? And I'm not talking about like an all-out brawl, but I'm asking, what will you stand up for? What will you speak up about? When I think about my kids, I'll fight for my kids' safety. I'll, I'll, I'll speak up to win Angela's love. I'll stand up for the power and presence of the church and the effect we can have in the neighborhood around us. Sometimes I'll even fight for my place in line. You can ask my family about that. I'm, I'm really not the most gracious merger on the highway, right? <laughs> I'll make my way in no matter what. But how about you? How about you? What will you fight for? My first real fight was in seventh grade, and it was a fight over my pride. When I was in seventh grade, our school had two different buildings, and there was a long sidewalk in between the two. And so at least once a day, you would have to walk on that sidewalk and you would be exposed to the, the weather and the torment of other kids. And one day I was walking that sidewalk between classes and up ahead I saw Chuck. I didn't like Chuck. I didn't like him very much. And he didn't really like me all that much. And, and Chuck had a water gun, a squirt gun. 
And I watched him as he squirted kids as they were walking along this sidewalk. And I said, there is no way I'm going to let him squirt me with that squirt gun. And so as I was walking along, I came up and I said, don't you shoot me with that. And he stepped up and I knocked that squirt gun out of his hand and it was on. We were, gonna, we were going. Now, in, um, something happened in my, my world of fighting between my sixth grade year and my seventh grade year. In sixth grade, when you got into a fight, it was... It was like pushing and maybe some kicking, a little wrestling. You know, it was, it was that kind of fighting. And um, I must have missed a memo or something because Chuck came at me with a closed fist and hit me right across the face, just out of nowhere. So I was ready for a fight, but I was not ready for that kind of brawl on that schoolyard. And it caught me off guard. Now, now, you'll have to ask me later if you want to know how that fight ended, because I'm not going to share that with you now. Because the point is that I don't get into fights like that anymore. And I, my, my, I imagine that you probably don't either. I was caught off guard by that fist. And, and I'm thankful that I don't have those kinds of fights. But we, we still do get into conflict, don't we? Uh, we, we fight over promotions at, at our works. We have, we have conflicts with our friends over where to hang out. We have disagreements in our families about how much screen time we get to have together. Right? We, we, still, we still fight. And when we enter into conflict, when we, we stand up for things that are important to us, it shows, it shows that they matter. It shows that we're willing to get into it with someone about an issue or or a person or a theme in our life that really is important to us. When we fight, we show that we care about it, that we have convictions, that we're committed to something. Did you know that the first followers of Jesus in the early church, they got into fights as well? They had disagreements and disputes about important things to them. And when they got into these disagreements, it didn't minimize the impact of God's kingdom through them. In fact, there's times when the gospel message spread even further and more effectively because they were willing to fight over things that were important to them, to have conflict. And because of that, the good news of Jesus spread. And and we're here really 2,000 years later because those who surrendered their life to Jesus faced these disagreements and found a way through together. And, And that's important. They worked through the challenges they were facing together and moved forward. So I want to ask you to take your Bible and open up to Acts 15. Or if you've got your phone, open up your Bible app. And we're going to go to Acts 15 and look at a story, a conflict, a fight that took place in the early church. Now Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament right after the first four testimonies of Jesus' life. And, And one of those testimony writers was a man named Luke. And he also wrote the book of Acts. And uh, at the beginning of his testimony about Jesus' life, he told his friend why he was writing all of this down. And he he said he was writing it down so that those who followed Jesus would have an accurate telling of the events of the first century. And and so that they would be certain of the things that they were taught, that they would know that these things were true. And that's why Luke wrote this down for us. And right at the beginning of Acts 15, verse 1 through 2, it says this, Some men came from Judah and started to teach believers that people can't be saved unless they are circumcised, as Moses' teachings require. Now, Paul and Barnabas had a fierce dispute with these men. So Paul and Barnabas and some others went to see Jerusalem, went to Jerusalem to see the apostles and spiritual leaders about this claim. This is the this is God's word translation of the Bible, and I, I like how it uses that phrase, a fierce dispute. Dispute That word fierce, I like that word, with passion, with conviction. They said, let's get it on. Let's get into this. 
because we're not okay with what's happening. They got into a debate over what does it take to be saved? What is required for someone to be adopted into the family of God? These first followers of Jesus were committed enough over this issue to get into conflict, to have a fight about it. So let's read some more. If you've got your Bible, Acts 15, we're going to start in verse 5, and I'll read down through verse 11. And I'd love for you to be able to follow along in your, in your Bible or on your phone. Um, we're not going to have the words on the screen so much. We're, I'm going to have you listen to it. I want you to see it as well as we're reading it so that it can get a little deeper into your heart. So Acts 15, verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. And after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know this some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Look at verse 10. Now then, why do you try to test God? By putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. No, he says, exclamation point. Do you see that? We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as we are. Peter stands up. And he gets into this, this conflict. He gets into the battle. Look at verse 5 there. I, I like that phrase that, he's, that it says there, that there were some who belonged to the party of the Pharisees. When I, when I think of Pharisees, I don't think about a party. You know, I, they seem pretty stoic. They seem pretty straight-laced. But that's how they're described here. And, and these believers, these were believers, followers of the way that also were Pharisees, just like Paul had been. And the passage says that after some open discussion, most good conflict has some open discussion, Peter stood up. And we know that Jesus had said to Peter many years before, he had said, on this rock, I will build my church. On the rock of Peter's character, on his faith, I'm going to build my church. And that's what was happening here. The church was being built. So Peter stood up as the leader. And he says, remember what happened to me a little while ago, he shares his story, his experience. And most scholars think it took place about 10 or 15 years before Acts 15. 10 or 15 years earlier, Peter had been told by God to go into the home of a Gentile. Now, now Gentiles were anyone who wasn't Jewish. So for the Jewish people, God had worked with them for, for millennia. And, and uh, they saw themselves as the chosen ones of God. And so it was Jewish or Gentile. Jewish or any, everybody else that was not Jewish. And Peter says, remember, I went into the house of that Gentile and I shared with them about Jesus, the Messiah. I talked about what Jesus had done and shared with them the good news. And they surrendered to Christ. They understood their need for forgiveness and they said, we want that life. And the Holy Spirit came and fell on them. And Peter says, I I saw it happen. And at the time, again, 10 or 15 years earlier, Peter was talking to his Jewish friends and they couldn't believe it. They could not understand how God would allow a non-Jewish person to come into the kingdom. It was outside of their experience. They just couldn't figure it out. And so Peter walked him through every step of the process. Here's how God confirmed it to me. 
before, during, after. Here's how I know it's true. And after Peter had laid that out for them in Acts 11, it says that those who were doubting this was even possible. It says when they heard this, when the doubters heard Peter explain what had happened, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You can almost hear how surprised or out of their understanding this was. Even, even to Gentiles, God would show his grace and his love. Even people that are so far from our experience, even Broncos fans, you know, God, <laughs> God is able to reveal himself and his grace to them. So Peter shares this. He reminds them of this story. And later, Paul would confirm this and show it to be true. So years after this struggle, years after this struggle, Peter says, now, here we are again, 10, 15 years later. Because don't you remember my story? Don't you remember my experience? Why are we still trying to figure this out? And the Jewish people could just, they just could not understand. How could God allow someone who is not going through all the Jewish rituals, all of the practices of their faith, all of the, the, the festivals and feasts that reminded them of, of, of God's faithfulness to them over the years. How could anyone who hadn't been through those things be part of the family of God? And this conflict came up again. And, and sometimes that's what happens when we have disagreements. Sometimes that's what happens when we have fights. They come up again. We, we think it's taken care of. We think we can move forward. And it's, it's, the conflict is just sort of ducked below the surface and it starts to come up again. We, we've talked through something with a coworker or a friend or a spouse, and it seems like we've reached agreement, but, but it's, it pops up again later on. And, and marriage counselors will tell us that when an issue like this resurfaces between uh, spouses, that usually one of them felt like they were never really heard. They were never really understood. They'll say things like, sure, we, we made a decision together on that, but you, you never really heard my side or acknowledged my point of view or my emotions. And, and that's why good listening is so important when we have conflict, when we have a fight, that we can listen to really understand what's going on in that other person's lives, that we can hear their point of view. Uh, because if we don't do that, we'll, we'll miss each other. And, and that issue, that conflict will just go down below the surface and it will pop up again later. Now, Angela, my wife, she's, she's really good at hearing me. She asks questions and she repeats back what she's hearing. She really engages with active listening so that we can move forward together. So that we, when we reach agreement, we can actually move forward together. And there's times when she even takes notes while we're talking. She'll kind of write things down, which is really awesome. But it's difficult for me because later on I can't use the, you know, are you sure we talked about that? You know, are you sure? <laughs> she'll just pull out the notebook and be like, yeah, remember on Tuesday, March 5th? We, you know, and sometimes she'll even hang those on the fridge which makes it really difficult for me to forget what I was supposed to do, you know. But she's really wonderful at listening. So Peter is here with these, those in the party of the Pharisees. And he says, hey, remember, we talked about this before. And then he says in verse 10 and 11 here, Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? No, he says, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as we are, just as we are. Peter was saying that people are saved into a right relationship with God through Christ alone, through the grace of Jesus. It's only grace. It's nothing else. And he confronts them with this truth. He says, we can't bear the Old Testament law. We, our ancestors couldn't bear it. Why would we want to put that onto these new followers of Jesus? I like how the message paraphrases this passage in, in Acts 10. 
So why are you now trying to out-God God? That's a powerful phrase, isn't it? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. Now, now just to be clear, this statement that Peter is making, this is a big deal. What he is saying here is incredibly uh, transformational because for the Jewish people, Jewish men and women, even Jesus, when they talked about the word of God, they were referring to the Old Testament law. They were referring to these practices and these rhythms that the Jewish people engaged with to remind themselves that, that God had saved them over and over and over again. And these are the things that, Jesus, uh, that Peter puts into this category of a yoke on the necks of their, their ancestors and themselves that they could not bear. These new believers, Peter was saying, they don't need ritual and religion. What they need is grace. And they need the new life that Jesus offers them. And again, Paul would later write to his friends and confirm this. He would write to his friends in ancient Turkey, an area of the ancient world called Galatia. And so in the the letter to the Galatians, he would write these words. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't get tied up again in slavery. Have you ever returned to the things in your life that tie you up simply because those are the things that are comfortable for you? Have you ever gone back to uh, habits and addictions that you have experienced freedom from, and, and you've gone back to them, moved back to under, under their shadows, because at least they make some kind of sense to you? Have you ever uh, joined a church committee or volunteered, and you fill your nights week after week, night after night, every night, something to do, something to keep you busy, because God needs you active in those good deeds, and you just tire yourself out, and it's killing your soul. Have you tied yourself up? This is Why did Peter and Paul and James and these other Christ followers fight about this issue? Why, why was it worth the battle? Because Jesus came to set us free, to give us a, a new life, not to burden us down with some new lists of do's and don'ts. And, and wouldn't you fight for that? Wouldn't you fight for that kind of freedom? But, but here's the problem for us, I think. Maybe it's just a problem for me, but I, I think we experience this together, that we, we, like, we like to-do lists. We like having things organized. We like knowing what's required and what's expected of us. We like knowing who's in and who's out. We enjoy creating little boxes to put people into so we can categorize them and understand them. But God, God looks at our hearts. God doesn't get tripped up as much as we do by the externals that are going on on the outside, things that we can easily see. God looks down into the heart. And sometimes we don't even know the motives of our hearts, let alone the motives of those around us. God looks into those hearts, and Jesus says to us, you are loved by God. You are invited in by our Father. You are valued and known by the one who created you and knows what your life is all about. Why did Peter and James fight for this truth? Because they wanted it for every person. That every person would know they are loved by God. They were fighting for those inside the Jewish community and those outside the Jewish community. They were fighting for those that knew the law of Moses and those that only knew the law of Rome. And I think as as people of faith today, we need to fight for the same thing for all people. We, we, we seek to bring the good news about Jesus to every person that walks into our worlds, every person that deserves to experience new life, freedom, and forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. Every person, everyone in this room right now, everyone who's watching 
online, everyone who will watch later this week, for, for those that have been part of Hillcrest for a really long time, and for those of us who are brand new to Hillcrest, and, and for those who haven't even heard the name of this church, we need to fight for those who are, are following God every day, and also those who are yet to believe on what Jesus did for them, those who look like us, and those who look very different and have had a very different experience. We need to fight for all people to experience this new life that Jesus offers. Because Jesus told us what his yoke, what his way was all about. In Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And then listen to these last words Jesus says, For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Peter was calling the church to remember that the yoke of Jesus that he offers us, it's not a yoke of slavery, but it's a way of life that is light, a way of life that is full of rest. If your relationship with God, if your walk of faith does not feel light and restful to you, then there might be a misunderstanding between you and your Father God about what he expects of you and what he offers you. We seek to bring this good news to every person. And after Peter reminds those gathered of his history, of their history, of the argument, James stands up. And James is the brother of Jesus and, and one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And, and Jesus, uh, James says something that's so important for us to see here. He takes the experience of Peter and Paul and Barabbas and he, and he confirms it with scripture. So if you'll skip down on, on Acts 15, they're down to uh, verse 15 through 17. And this is what James says. He stands up and he says, The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen, David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. You see, James takes them back to the Old Testament prophet Amos. And even Amos used that word even, right? Even the Gentiles. Can you believe it? even the Gentiles. And James says that this has always been God's intent. This has always been his desire in his heart that all people would come into the kingdom, that all people would know the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ because God does not show favoritism. I mean, he has accepted me. He has accepted you. And, and we're just a mess, right? I mean, we are imperfect people. And yet he has accepted us. So certainly he will accept anyone who comes to him in faith. I think it's so important here that James takes them to Scripture because our experiences are important and, and, and they do um, the ups and downs of our lives. God is with us in those and, they, and he shows up in those experiences. But our experiences do not overshadow the revealed words of God. God will guide us through the open doors and the closed windows of our lives, the experience of our lives. He'll be with us in those. And he will not contradict what he has made clear in Scripture. So it's so important that James says, this, we've seen this in Scripture, and he takes him to Amos. I find that very encouraging and strengthening for my faith, that the Word of God will not mislead us. We, we may understand, misunderstand it. We may misapply it at times, but God's word, uh, God's word will always be good and take us down the right path. So at the end of this gathering, these church leaders, together, they decide that they're not going to make it difficult for those coming to faith. 
that they're going to focus on grace. And, and that would be my hope and my desire for you, Hillcrest Covenant Church, that, that you would focus on grace. So let me finish up by asking uh, a question, making this personal again as we finish up. I want to go back to that question we started this conversation with. What will you fight for? What will you speak up about? What will you stand for? If we take some time to really reflect on that question, I think we might find that sometimes we, we fight for things that are not central to the kingdom of God. So, sometimes we have conflict over things that match our, our preferences and our experiences, but they don't match up to God's priorities for our neighbors and for those who are far off from him. The Pharisees had a, a party of, of like-minded people who wanted to fight for a religious system that no longer offered freedom to the people of God. And, and we, today, we have a great ability to gather around ourselves a party that can cause us to miss the beautiful call that God has on our lives, to be light in a dark world, to distract us from God's priorities for this world. So w- will you pray with me about this? I want to encourage you to pray that God would allow you to engage with someone uh, later today or, or maybe even tomorrow who, who isn't like you, someone who might disagree with the priorities of your life, someone who needs to know that they are loved and that they matter. I want to encourage you to pray that God would allow you to have that kind of connection because we could walk out of, the, out of here saying, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to have that kind of connection or, or, or run into someone like that. But God says, I want you to do more than just go do it. I want you to ask me to help you do it. I want, to, I want you to ask me to make it happen. So let's ask God to help us see the ones that he would have us fight for. Let's ask God to help us embrace his heart for those who are far off from faith. I want to ask God to help me see and respond to his incredible heart for every person in our community and in our neighborhood. So will you fight for them? Will you seek to offer the freedom that Jesus has given to you? Or or will you miss the mark and only offer a yoke, a, a way of life that burdens them down, that crushes them? Because Jesus offers us something much different than that. So let's ask God to help us live that way. Let's ask God to help us have that connection. Will you pray with me? Father God, we're so thankful that you are here with us right now. Jesus, we are so thankful that you came to give us life and life everlasting. And Father, would you help us? Would you help us learn what does it mean to fight for those in our world, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, those that we are in relationship with who are not walking with you, who do not understand the freedom that you offer them. Father, would you help us to see them? Would you help us today, tomorrow, come into a connection with them or a conversation with them that allows us to to just draw them a little bit closer to you, to remind them that we care about them and that, that you love them. Father, if we need to use words, allow us to use words, but I pray it would start just with our actions, just with our posture toward them, with our ability to listen to them, with our ability to serve them in some way. Might they know that they are loved because of what we do. And then, if possible, Lord, give us words that we could share. We're so thankful that we can be here this morning, that we can now receive communion and be reminded, Jesus, that that you gave your life for us, that you sacrificed yourself, and that you are our example. And we want to lay our lives down as well and stand up for those who have yet to come to know you, Father God. Thank you. We praise you. 
for your great grace for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.